Amen. Well, welcome to Church Project. We are glad that everyone's here today. Everyone's looking good. Everyone feeling all right about your summer? It's almost over. Is that okay? Everybody's looking a little tan, all in their shorts. Well, welcome. We're glad you're here. If you're a first-time guest, um, we hold this Bible in high regard. And so uh, we invite you to open your Bible to Ephesians chapter 3. We're going to be going through verses 14 through 21. If you do not own a Bible or you didn't bring a Bible, uh, there's one on a chair or under a chair next to you, and there's some over on the, the lamps. Uh, but if you want to just open your Bible to like the middle of it and kind of go, keep going to the right, you'll run into Ephesians, um, and you can find that pretty easily. Today, we are going to be going through Ephesians 3, 14 through 21, and Chad, thank you for reading those. That was pretty awesome. And Weston, just to clarify, I don't think Weston prayed that we would come to church high. I don't, I don't know. Did, you, did anyone else catch that? If you're, com- if you're coming off a high to Church Project, I'm like, wait, dude, this is Colorado. Not quite like that, but I got to pick on them. I say enough stupid things up here behind this mic, so when someone else does, I got to pick on them. So anyways, what? <laughs> you don't call me stupid. I will beat you up. Hey, welcome to church, by the way. Was this mic on? Uh, here we go. We're going to begin talking through Ephesians three fourteen through 21. I'm really excited about these verses. In fact, it, it's, again, one of those verses where um, it was more about what not to say. If you've, if you've read these verses before, hopefully it just does your heart good. There's so much incredibly good stuff in these verses that we read that I was thinking, maybe we should take this. These, these verses here, and just break them up to be one verse a week for the next 13 weeks. But you remember how long it took us to get through Luke. So we're going to try to try to just go through these verses today and, and, and see what God will highlight in each of our lives. And I want to give you a little background about these verses right here. It's Paul. He's the author. He wrote this letter, and he's in house arrest right now. He writes this letter to believers in Ephesus, um, and he is in Rome while he writes this letter. The first three chapters of the book of Ephesians is, is Paul talking about deep and wonderful truths about who God is. And if you've been coming to Church Project for a little while, we've been working through those, those first three chapters. And it's just beautiful, di- deep, rich doctrine about who God is. What we think about God is important. It drives our whole life. Well, even if you're an atheist and you don't think there's a God, That's your theology. You don't think that there's a God, and it drives your whole life. And so what we think about God drives our day-in and day-out motions about how we live and how we perceive the world around us. So as Paul in the first three chapters talks about God, it's beautiful. Then we get to chapter 4, 5, and 6, and it's about how this deep truth about who God is, how we apply it to our lives as Christians. Like I said, he's in prison And all four letters that Paul writes while he's in prison, it's pretty neat. These letters, uh, they direct something. They talk about something. And it's about the spiritual condition, the inner man that Paul's writing to. Has nothing to do with the outside circumstances. Like, I hope you get a new house or a new camel or your falafel doesn't get overcooked or whatever. He he talks directly about the inside man and, and who we are in Christ. The inside. Because the outside... Stuff happens all the time around us, stuff that is hard, stuff that's painful, stuff that will come and go, but it's our spirit that's going to live forever, and Paul is speaking directly to that. So it's beautiful, rich stuff that we've encountered. Uh, this, the verses that we're looking at right now, 
14 through 21, again, is one long sentence in the Greek. One long sentence. If you turned in a paper today to a teacher today that said this without periods or commas, you would probably get an F on it. Like Paul just goes on and on and on in this sentence. It's one long sentence. And I want to point out one thing before we get going in this. But in Christianity, we talk a lot about the Trinity. God the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Hold him. Hey, bud. I just saw him. He's been traveling forever. Sorry, I got distracted. So in Christianity, we talk about God the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And I want to point out in verse 14, we see the Father. I want to point out in 16, we see his Spirit. And in 17, we see Christ. So it's a beautiful picture of what we're talking about here today. Um, I want to look at verse 14, right, as we begin to unpack this. And I pray that your eyes are open that God will reveal his truth to you. But right away, when we get into verse 14, he says, for this reason. Well, for what reason? You have to ask why. For what reason? And if you look in the verses right before that led up to this, there's multiple reasons why Paul is writing this letter to Christians in Ephesus. And and for this reason, he starts in in these verses right here, and he says, for this reason. Well, what, what are these reasons? Well, here's a few of the reasons to kind of recap what we talked about. Um, Paul earlier says, I am a prisoner of this gospel message. I am suffering on your behalf. Like, he encountered the love of Christ, and it so changed him that he lived for one thing, and that was to tell this love message, this gospel message, to the world at large. And so, because he felt, and literally, and he, as house arrest, he was a prisoner, but he was in house arrest simply because he felt like a prisoner, not, not held down and captive out of his own free will or against his will, but of his own will. He says, I'm a prisoner. I can't do anything else but tell this love message to the world at large. And because of that reason, I'm going to continue to talk to you about some other things. So that's one reason. What's another reason? If we look at the teachings right before this, we find out that Paul was telling the Christians in Ephesus that, that you have immediate and ongoing and immediate access to Christ, to God. You don't have to have a, some intermediator between you and God. It's a personal relationship that you get to have. And that's a beautiful thing about what God's asking even his church today. What does the word Christian mean? To be like Christ. It doesn't mean to be like some other person who might be like Christ. It means to be like Christ, we have direct access to God. What does that do for your life, for your heart, for who you are? Knowing that God, the creator of everything, wants to have immediate and intimate relationship with you. It's beautiful. Paul's writing the church to remind them of this, that God died for the Jews and the Gentiles. And lastly, I want to point out before we get going on, that he's writing to the church. And if you look just a couple verses before, he says, I'm writing you. Remember, I'm in prison and I'm writing to you. Why? So you would not lose heart. Underline that. Unless you're just the most super motivated person in the world that never loses heart. You always got it. You're always good to go. Paul's writing Christians and he's saying, I get it. Life's hard. And I'm writing to you that you don't lose heart. We need to know this. I need to know this. Here's a couple questions as we think about our life at large. When you are shaken to your core, right, when something happens and shakes you to your core, what should you do? 
Here's another question. When life is overwhelming, how should you respond? Think about things in your own life. When it's overwhelming or you're shaken to the core, how do you respond? What should you do? And, and here's a good question to think about as we go through these verses. Where does hope, where does joy, where does peace, and where does fullness, and we'll talk about that in a minute, where does fullness come from? That's what these verses are going to show us today, so I'm excited to get into them. Uh, let's look at, at verse 14, and, and Paul says, for this reason, we talked about what reason, he says, for this reason, I bow my knees before the Father. Uh, there's a beautiful thing called bow my knees before the Father, called praying about talking to who God is, or talking with God. And as we look through the Bible and we study it, we see many positions of prayer. And we read about different people and how they would pray. Some people would pray by standing by sitting, by kneeling, by being prostrate on the ground. So we see all these physical positions, but, but Paul said, as I bow my knees, as I'm thinking about you, and as I'm praying for you. In essence, what is he doing? He's praying, he's interceding, that big word, he's interceding for others. He's going to God, his maker, and he's saying, God, I want to pray for other people. <laughs> My dad, I have a picture of my dad, and it's burned into my head, and it's happened most recently, within the last five years, because I'll go visit him, and on five o'clock in the morning to six o'clock in the morning, he has this white chair that's way too big for him, but he sits in this white chair, and for an hour, he prays. He prays for me, he prays for my family, he, I mean, he just prays for an hour every day, and what is he doing? He's interceding on my behalf, he's going to God on my behalf and, and praying for whatever it may be, whatever is on his heart. What does that do for me as a son? And I'm like, thank you, Dad, thank you for praying for me. How, how do you feel when someone says, hey, I'm praying for you, I know that that hard things are happening, that you're going through hard times or whatever. How does it feel when someone says, I am praying for you? I'm interceding on your behalf. I can't think of a, of a better encouragement than to have someone say, I'm praying for you. And know that they're actually praying for you. It's not just that Christian, hey, I'm praying for you, brother. No, but they're actually praying for you. Like my dad at 5 o'clock in the morning, praying on behalf of us, his family, and whatever's on his heart. To know that others are praying for you. It's such an encouraging thing. I don't know about you, but I need encouragement. I need encouragement throughout my day. I need encouragement throughout my week to get a random text that says, hey, Aaron, I'm praying for you. Or better yet, to have someone stop and say, hey, how can I pray for you? And literally pray for me on the spot and make it an important thing that they're going to God on my behalf. It's just a huge honor. And do we honor people by praying for them? So this week, uh, I realized how old I am. Uh, I've, I've helped a lot of people move this week. And we have more to move today. And I'm real excited about this. So if anyone wants, anyone wants to help us move more people today, come see me. But so, I, so I know I'm, I'm getting older. I, can't just, I just can't be as you know, strong and as rough as I used to. And so every move, I'm trying to just pick up with my legs and do it, do it really smart. And I'm looking at a flatbed trailer. And I'm looking at me. And I'm looking at a bunch of stuff and going, how can I get that stuff on there? 
without killing myself. And so I've stepped back a lot this week, and I'm like just thinking about it. You know, that, hmm, how can I do this, okay? I'm looking at all this stuff, and I'm trying to do geometry in my head, whatever. I'm figuring it out, but the point is I'm taking my time trying to get this trailer full. Unlike I've done in the past, where I would just go like, and throw it on, I'm really being methodical because I don't want to get hurt. I've slowed down a lot, even physically. And that's a huge truth that I think God gives us in our life. The truth that our body just kind of decays. And I will be this good looking forever, but I won't be as strong as I used to be. Right? And I think that's a good reminder for myself and for all of us. As we look at our bodies just kind of decaying and getting older, it reminds us that God never changes. That he is all-powerful and all-loving, and our dependence on him grows and grows and grows. We realize we just can't heave that stuff onto that trailer anymore. We need to take our time and not get hurt. And I think the same is true for our spiritual life. We can't just go and rush and do and blah, blah, blah. We need to slow down, and we need to spend time with God talking with him, sitting with him. Just enjoying this this love relationship with God and having our heart break for other people that they're going through hard things, devastating things. And and we're sitting in our chair at five in the morning praying for them or sending them a text or interceding on their behalf. Paul's in prison, in prison, and he's praying for people in Ephesus. See how he's found this, the the truth of what prayer is and how important it is in his, in his life. Hey, I want to I give you an opportunity right now. There's a couple things on your chairs. One is a, is a little card, and it says, we want to change the way people see Christ, Christians, and church. That's something that drives us here at Church Project, because here's the fact. A lot of people have been hurt in church. Here's another fact, and this one hits me directly because I've got this title, pastor, on my name. For the first time ever in the history of the world, when you say pastor, less than 50% of the people around you have good thoughts. Like, already, I introduced myself as pastor. Someone already is like, "Uh uh-oh, what's going on? And so people have been hurt by pastors. They've been hurt by church. And we want this to be a lovely place, a place where you get to walk in an authentic relationship with each other and with God. And so that, that's why we have that on there. But another thing that we have is this response card. And that's the, just that, that little, you know, three by four index card right there. And why do we put that there? Well, one, if you're not getting our emails every week telling you kind of what's happening with barbecues and just random stuff that's fun, we put that there for you to give us your information so we can email you. But I think even more important than that is that thing on the back, and that's how can we pray for you? As elders, we pray for you. As your church, we pray for you. And quite honestly, we don't get enough of these prayer requests. We get two or three a week at best. Like, that's the best. I guarantee you, every single one of us, we need prayer for something. Know that you have a church behind you. Know that you have elders behind you. We want to encourage you. We want to spur you on to love and good deeds. We want to battle with you. Paul is in prison, and he's praying on behalf of all the Christians in Ephesus. So use this. Write your prayer request in there. Put it in the offering box in the back. And, and just know that we're here and we're going to pray for you. It reminds me of a Bible verse. Colossians 1.9 says this. We do not cease praying for you. Ever since we've heard about you, we have not ceased praying for you. 
Church, are we praying for each other? Are we praying for the people in our lives? Are we interceding on their behalf like Paul did? Whew. I spent a lot of time on that one, didn't I? Let's, let's go ahead and, and, and read a little further here. For this reason, I bow my knees before the Father. In verse 15, it says, From whom every family in heaven and on earth is named. Every family uh, exists, and, and just to kind of explain what that means, every family exists, everyone that we know in the entire world exists um, because, and they have a father through him, through Jesus Christ, what, what he's done on our behalf, which is worthy of thanking him and, and who he is. Now let's move on to verse 16. Uh, and he says, that according to the riches of his glory, he may grant you to be strengthened. Does anyone need strength today? Does anyone feel a little weak today? That he, that you will be strengthened with power through his spirit in your inner being, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, that you being rooted and grounded in love, let's stop right here. I could tell you, we could go on for days on this, this stuff, and my prayer is that you'll go home today, you'll grab your Bible, You'll read and you'll study and you'll get study notes and you'll spend time in it and you'll pray. Like I said, God doesn't need an intermediator. He doesn't need me explaining it to you. He can reveal himself to you as you're you're looking at scripture. And so I want to unpack some of the things that I found in this that were just beautiful to me as I was studying this. That word strengthened. That he may grant you to be strengthened. I would say it in the Greek, but I would mess it up, and it's a huge, long word that doesn't make any sense. But the Greek word for this, strengthen, means to be strong, to overcome resistance. Does anyone have resistance in your life? Things that you're going through that are just incredibly hard? Well, as Paul's writing, he says that he may grant you to be strengthened, to be strong, to overcome resistance with power, And then look at this next thing that he says. Through his spirit in your inner being. Does that mean he's going to give you strength because you go and you work out all the time and because you go and you help old grandmas cross the road and you've deserved this every step of the way and you're strong because of how much you pray and you're strong because of all these actions you do or you're weak because you don't do? God, he, Paul's not saying this at all. He's saying this. He's saying, I'm praying that you will be strengthened and that you will be strengthened how? Through his spirit, God's spirit in your inner being, that God himself is giving you a deep, deep strength. I hear that and I go, amen. I know a lot of religions in the world where you've got to perform, and if you don't perform and you don't earn, then shame on you. And this is where churches really get to preach. Like, you didn't do this, bad. You need to do this, and it becomes this oppressive religion. And God is saying, and Paul is praying, that the Spirit, His Spirit, would strengthen you in your inner being. And look at verse 17. So that Christ may dwell that's another word that I just had to stop on. That, that, uh, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. And this word dwell, that it would be the driving factor 
and attitude of our actions, knowing that the strength that we have in our life to, to go through the hard things that are happening, everything that's good and bad comes from God, and that we would dwell on that, on who God is. And then it continues and says that you, being rooted and grounded in love, if you look at being rooted and grounded in love, the participles, being rooted and established, are in perfect tense, and they indicate a past action with continuing results. Being is done, and it continues. It continues to happen in our life, that we're strengthened by God. We're rooted in who he is, and he's given us himself. I don't know about you, but this should be a happy message for you. It's not about our actions. It's about God moving in who we are and who he is and getting us rooted and strengthened in him. There should be an amen or something like that in this. Can we get an amen? Amen. Amen. What do you think of that, Grandpa? It's good stuff, huh? Whew. I should probably take a break here, huh? As I looked at these, these verses, I kind of wrote some thoughts here. And, and what I see in these verses is that through prayer and through authentic community and a total reliance on God, we can walk through the darkest of nights the hardest of times. And it's God that strengthens us. He is the source of our optimism. Uh, He is the foundation of our hope. He is the foundation of our joy. Has life overwhelmed you? Do you experience things in life that are hard? Do you feel alone? Do you feel tired? Do you feel frustrated? Do you feel confused? Do you feel scared? Do you feel weak? It's through His Spirit. You can be rooted and grounded, dwelling in His strength. Alone, we're going to get picked off. But as an authentic community, running after God with each other and each other praying and interceding for each other, encouraging each other, we can do this together as we find our hope in Him, not in the world, because the world will continue to decay, just like our bodies. And as our bodies decay, may it remind us how much we need God, how much He loves us. Philippians 4, 7 is a beautiful verse, and it says, And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. The peace of God. You will find no peace in this world. People will come and go. No matter how much you love them, people will come and go, and it's devastating for us. There's things that happen in life that will come and go, and it can just throw us off kilter. Peace is only found in the love of Jesus Christ and who he is. And that's a beautiful thing because he never changes. Can we go on? Let's go on. Verse 18. If you need to stretch, go ahead and stretch. 
verse 18. And we start in the middle of this, this sentence here, being rooted and grounded. It says, may have a strength to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and the length and the height and the depth. And to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. So I want to stop and just think on a couple words here. And in verse 19 it says, and to know K-N-O-W, to know. And then it says just a little bit longer, that surpassed knowledge, to know that knowledge. Here's a fact about knowledge, though. Uh, Lauren, my wife, is is a teacher. Um, She's filled with knowledge. And she graduated with, with honors from UNC. She knows her stuff. Uh... She's very smart and intelligent and beautiful. Am I doing good? <laughs> like, she knows. She has the knowledge. Like, it's, it's up here. She's got it. Um, but I tell you what, this last year and a half and watching her in the classroom and interacting with, with students, it's such a joy watching her become that knowledge. Like, become that, that, that knowledge that she already has. When it's lived out in the classroom and when we get to talk about it. Like she has the knowledge, but now she's becoming that knowledge. And it's becoming very, very real as she sees these kids coming in and out. And she pours herself, her life into them. And it's just not knowing. It's not just honors from you and see stuff that you just know. Like it's becoming real. And here Paul is writing and he's saying, I want you to know this surpassing thing. And I don't want you just to have it like up here, like, like know it, but I want you to know the love of Christ. If you know the love of Christ, it changes everything. The darkest of days come and you say, in Christ alone, I can walk through this. Christ is my hope. He is my joy. He is my purpose. He is my, my hope. I said that, but I like hope. So he's there. And it's not just a head knowledge, but it's actually being lived out in our lives. So I return to a couple questions for you. And we're going to be getting to the end here in just a moment. Here's the questions. When you are shaken to your core, what do you do? I don't know about you, but if I'm thinking I'm, I'm Paul, I'm in prison, I'm in house arrest, I'm ultimately going to die for this message that has just changed my life. I'm shaking to my core. Wouldn't you agree? I mean, I'm in house arrest. It doesn't get much better than this, right? Woohoo! I'm shaking to my core. And Paul's writing this love message. So when we're shaken to our core, what do we do? When life is overwhelming, how should we respond? As Christians, as, as followers of Christ. And then the question I really want us to think about right here in this place is, where does hope and joy and peace and Fullness? Think on that word. Fullness? Who would you say in your life is just full? I mean, you, you know them. Like something about them. I mean, they're just full. They're full of joy. They're full of hope and, and peace. So where does this fullness come from in this world? Oh. As you sit here today, would you say that you are filled with the fullness of God and the joy and the love of God? I want to look at verses 20 and 21. 
and we'll wrap this up. God is sovereign. He's in control. He's in charge of everything, as, as, you, as we look at verses 20 and 21. He, he, he's in charge of everything. Yet the tension of putting flesh in the game rests on us, on, on his creations. So church, here's the charge for us. That we know the love of God, that he brings peace and joy and hope and love into our life in midst of the, the chaos. And what do we do when we find this peace and love and joy and hope in the middle of chaos, in the middle of life? The charge is on us, and the charge is this. Go be the message. Go, go talk to someone and love others. Love others. Serve others. Speak life into Others, encourage someone this week. Don't just hold this message in, but, but walk in it and feel, feel the love and feel changed in this thing. And let it overflow in our actions and what we do and what we say. They will see God in you. They will. You're going to encounter people that are just in, in despair. And they're going to say, that person is full, full of something. I don't, I don't know what, but he, she, they're different as you move through your dorms, as you move through your workplaces, as you go to and fro your jobs or the grocery store, and you begin locking eyes with people and caring for people and loving people, not judging them, not condemning them, but loving them. You get to show them God in who you are. And that's a beautiful message. To me, that's a message that I'm a prisoner of. I say this with Paul. I'm a prisoner. I can't help but talk about this message because it's changed me. And I see despair and death all around. And I hope that we're living it out. I hope that we are filled with the fullness of God and that we live our lives different. And we smile. Romans 11.36 says, for from him and through him and to him all things, to him be glory forever. Amen. What does that say? God's the creator, the author, the sustainer of everything that we know. He is the source of all joy, hope, and peace. So when Satan comes to destroy, kill, take you out, discourage you, depress you, whatever it may be, we, though, we find our hope in Jesus Christ. As we let him fill us with his presence. Now I want to end with these verses 20 and 21 because it's a prayer. It's a benediction. And I want to pray this over your life today. And I want to pray this over my life today. And I want us to go out walking in this today. And this is going to be a beautiful thing. So if you would and you're comfortable with it, you can just close your eyes and you, you can just accept this prayer over your life. Or you can read along in this prayer over your life and just let these words soak into who you are. Now to him, to God, who is able to do far more abundantly than all that we ask or think, according to the power at work within us, to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations, forever and ever. Amen. Church, I'm going to invite you right now to close your Bible. Just reflect on the teachings of Paul. Reflect on what God has 
shown us in this passage and how it may encounter your life today. If you're comfortable with that, I invite you to hold your hands out in front of you and just close your eyes. This is nothing more than a stance of submission where you say, God, I openly receive anything you want to show me today. And just have an honest conversation with yourself. This is the part of the the whole gathering this morning that I pray the most over, that God's Holy Spirit is moving in your heart right now, that he's showing you beautiful things. And so would you accept this love message that he is pouring on you? Just have a conversation, just quietly, you and God in this place. Just say, God, show me who you are. I have no idea. Show me who you are. And God, would you show me who I am? Because the world's doing a lousy job at that. And as we sit here, I pray that your heart is open and God is just speaking to you. May I speak some truth over your life? You are powerful because of him. You are worthy because of him. God purposed to make you exactly the way that you are. You're strong through his spirit. You don't have to worry about tomorrow and what it will bring because God is sustaining you. You have hope. You have purpose. Some of us, we may be sitting here and we have no idea about God. It's pretty simple. There was a point in my life where I realized I was living on my own, full of pride, trying to do life at my pace, and it wasn't working out too well. Every little thing was throwing me off. And it wasn't until I started surrendering control of my life to God that he began to change me and fill me with who he is. If you find your place yourself in this place today, I would ask, would you just, just to yourself, just quietly say, God, here's my life. Take it, direct it. Show me who you are. Use me, love me, change me. Make me a prisoner of this love message because the world needs it. Maybe we can think of people in our life as Satan has put chains all around their life. They're held captive by sin, by actions. They're in despair. They have no hope. Would you pray for that person right now? Would you intercede for them like Paul did? Would you just begin to call out to God and say, God, please give them um, your hope, your encouragement, your love? Continue to pray for them. I'm not sure exactly what God was showing you in this message today, but I pray that it's changing your life. If you would like prayer today, here in a little bit, we'll, we'll have a couple people on the sides of the room. And you can go and, and have prayer. And you can talk to someone. But I'm going to ask us 
to just stand. And if you have a, a child in Project Kids, if you'll quickly and quietly go and retrieve them and come back and, and worship God in this place. As a family, worship God in this place. When we're encountered with this love message, I don't know what else to do, but then to point to God and say, thank you for who you are. Thank you for what you've done. So if we can stand, I'll pray for us, and we'll continue to worship God through song. God, thank you for who you are. Thank you for this powerful love message. Thank you for hope, peace, joy. Pray today that we will worship you. We will thank you. We will celebrate this life that you've given us. Pray that you continue to move in each and every one of us. We thank you for the very life that you've given us. In your name we pray. Amen.